Section 5 of The Purple Cloud. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Purple Cloud by Matthew Phipps Scheel. Section 5. In a hundred years, I suppose, I should never succeed in analysing why I swooned but my consciousness still retains the impression of that horrid thrill. I saw nothing distinctly, for my whole being reeled and toppled, drunken, like a spinning-top in desperate death-struggle, at the moment when it flags and wobbles dissolutely to fall. But the very instant that my eyes met what was before me, I knew, I knew, that here was the sanctity of sanctities, the old eternal inner secret of the life of this earth, which it was a most burning shame for a man to see. The lake, I fancy, must be a mile across, and in its middle is a pillar of ice, very low and broad, and I had the clear impression, or dream, or notion, that there was a name or word graven all round in the ice of the pillar, in characters which I could never read, and under the name a long date and the fluid of the lake seemed to me to be wheeling with a shivering ecstasy, splashing and fluttering round the pillow, always from west to east, in the direction of the spinning of the earth, and it was borne in upon me, I can't at all say how, that this fluid was the substance of a living creature, and I had the distinct fancy, as my senses failed, that it was a creature with many dull and anguished eyes, and that, as it wheeled for ever round in fluttering lust, it kept its eyes always turned upon the name and the date graven in the pillar. But this must be my madness. It must not have been less than an hour before a sense of life returned to me, and when the thought stabbed my brain that a long, long time I had lain there, in the presence of those gloomy orbs, my spirit seemed to groan and die within me. In some minutes, however, I had scrambled to my feet, clutched at a dog's harness and without one backward glance was flying from that place halfway to the halting place i waited clark and mew being very sick and doddering and unable to advance but they did not come later on when i gathered force to go further i found that they had perished in the upheaval of the ice one only of the sledges half buried i saw near the spot of our bivouac Alone that same day I began my way southward, and for five days made good progress. On the eighth day, I noticed, stretched right across the southeastern horizon, a region of purple vapour which luridly obscured the face of the sun, and day after day I saw it steadily brooding there, but what it could be I did not understand. Well, onward through the desert ice, I continued my lonely way, with a baleful shrinking terror in my heart for very stupendous alas is the burden of that arctic solitude upon one poor human soul sometimes on a halt i have lain and listened long to the hollow silence recoiling crushed by it hoping that at least one of the dogs might whine i have even crept shivering from the thawed sleeping bag to flog a dog so that i might hear a sound I had started from the pole with a well-filled sledge, and the sixteen dogs left alive from the ice-packing which buried my comrades. This was on the evening of the 13th of April. 
I had saved from the wreck of our things most of the whey powder, pemmican, etc., as well as the theodolite, compass, chronometer, train oil lamp for cooking, and other implements. I was therefore in no doubt as to my course, and I had provisions for ninety days. But ten days from the start my supply of dog food failed, and I had to begin to slaughter my only companions one by one. Well, in the third week the ice became horribly rough, and with moil and toil enough to wear a bear to death, I did only five miles a day. After the day's work I would crawl with a dying sigh into the sleeping bag, clad still in the load of skins which stuck to me a mere filth of grease, to sleep the sleep of a swine, indifferent if I never woke. Always, day after day, on the southeastern horizon, brooded sullenly that curious stretched-out region of purple vapour, like the smoke of the conflagration of the world and I noticed that its length constantly reached out and out and silently grew. Once I had a very pleasant dream. I dreamed that I was in a garden, an Arabian paradise, so sweet was the perfume. All the time, however, I had a subconsciousness of the gale which was actually blowing from the southeast over the ice, and, at the moment when I awoke, was half-wittedly droning to myself, It is a garden of peaches, but I am not really in the garden. I am really on the ice, only the southeast storm is wafting to me the aroma of this garden of peaches. I opened my eyes. I started. I sprang to my feet, for, of all the miracles, I could not doubt, an actual aroma like peach blossom was in the algid air about me. Before I could recollect my astonished senses, I began to vomit pretty violently, and at the same time saw some of the dogs, mere skeletons as they were, vomiting too. For a long time I lay very sick, in a kind of daze, and on rising found two of the dogs dead, and all very queer. The wind had now changed to the north. Well on I staggered, fighting every inch of my deplorably weary way. This odour of peach blossom, my sickness, and the death of two dogs remained a wonder to me. Two days later, to my extreme mystification and joy, I came across a bear and its cub lying dead at the foot of a hummock. I could not believe my eyes. There she lay on her right side, a spot of dirty white in a disordered patch of snow, with one little eye open, and her fierce-looking mouth also, and the cub lay across her haunch, biting into her rough fur. I set to work upon her and allowed the dogs a glorious feed on the blubber, while I myself had a great banquet on the fresh meat. I had to leave the greater part of the two carcasses, and I can feel again now the hankering reluctance, quite unnecessary as it turned out, with which I trudged onwards. Again and again I found myself asking, Now, what could have killed those two bears? With brutish stolidness I plodded ever on, almost like a walking machine, sometimes nodding in sleep while I helped the dogs or manoeuvred the sledge over an ice ridge, pushing or pulling. On the 3rd of June, a month and a half from my start, I took an observation with the theodolite and found that I was not yet 400 miles from the pole, in latitude 84 degrees 50 minutes. It was just as though some will, some will, was obstructing and retarding me. However, the intolerable cold was over, and soon my clothes no longer hung stark on me like armour. 
pools began to appear in the ice and presently what was worse my god long lanes across which somehow i had to get the sledge but about the same time all fear of starvation passed away for on the sixth of june i came across another dead bear and on the seventh three and thenceforth in rapidly growing numbers i met not only bears but fulmars guillemots snipes ross's gulls little orcs all all lying dead on the ice and never anywhere a living thing save me and the two remaining dogs if ever a poor man stood shocked before a mystery it was i now i had a big fear on my heart on the second of july the ice began packing dangerously and soon another storm broke loose upon me from the southwest i left off my trek and put up the silk tent on a five-acre square of ice surrounded by lanes and again for the second time as i lay down i smelled that delightful strange odor of peach blossom a mere whiff of it and presently afterwards was taken sick however it passed off this time in a couple of hours now it was all lanes lanes alas yet no open water and such was the difficulty and woe of my life that sometimes i would drop flat on the ice and sob oh no more no more my god here let me die the crossing of a lane might occupy ten or twelve entire hours and then on the other side i might find another one opening right up before me moreover on the eighth of july one of the dogs after a feed on blubber suddenly died and there was left to me only reinhardt a white-haired siberian dog with little pert upsticking ears like a cat's him too i had to kill on coming to open water this did not happen till the third of august nearly four months from the pole i can't think my god that any heart of man ever thawed the appalling nightmare and black abysm of sensations in which during which those four long desert months i weltered for though i was as a brute i had a man's heart to feel what i had seen or dreamed at the pole followed and followed me and if i shut my poor weary eyes to sleep those others yonder seemed to watch me still with their distraught and gloomy gaze and in my spinning dark dreams spun that eternal ecstasy of the lake however by the twenty eighth of july i knew from the look of the sky and the absence of fresh water ice that the sea could not be far so i set to work and spent two days in putting to rights the now battered kayak this done i had no sooner resumed my way than i sighted far off a streaky haze which i knew to be the basalt cliffs of franz joseph land and in a craziness of joy i stood there waving my ski staff about my head with the senile cheers of a very old man in four days this land was visibly nearer sheer basaltic cliffs mixed with glacier forming apparently a great bay with two small islands in the mid distance and at four day of the third of august i arrived at the definite edge of the pack ice in moderate weather at about the freezing point i at once but with great reluctance shot reinhardt and set to work to get the last of the provisions and the most necessary of the implements into the kayak making haste to put out to the toilless luxury of being borne on the water after all the weary trudge within fourteen hours i was coasting with my little lug sail spread along the shore ice of that land it was midnight of a calm sabbath 
and low on the horizon smoked a drowsing red sunball as my canvas skiff lightly chopped her way through the silent sea silent silent for neither snort of walrus nor yelp of fox nor cry of startled kittiwake did i hear but all was still as the jet-black shadow of the cliffs and glacier on the tranquil sea and many bodies of dead things strewed the surface of the water when i found a little fjord i went up it to the end where stood a stretch of basalt columns looking like a shattered temple of antediluvians and when my foot at last touched land i sat down there a long long time in the rubbly snow and silently wept my eyes that night were like a fountain of tears for the firm land is health and sanity and dear to the life of man but i say that the great ungenial ice is a nightmare and a blasphemy and a madness and the realm of the power of darkness i knew that i was at franz josef land somewhere or other in the neighbourhood of c flygely about eighty two degrees north and though it was so late and getting cold i still had the hope of reaching spitzbergen that year by alternately sailing all open water and dragging the kayak over the slack drift ice all the ice which i saw was good flat fjord ice and the plan seemed feasible enough so after coasting about a little and then three days good rest in the tent at the bottom of a ravine of columna basalt opening upon the shore i packed some bear and walrus flesh with what artificial food was left into the kayak and i set out early in the morning coasting the shore ice with sail and paddle in the afternoon i managed to climb a little way up an iceberg and made out that i was in a bay whose terminating headlands were invisible i accordingly decided to make southwest by west to cross it but in doing so i was hardly out of sight of land when a northern storm overtook me toward midnight before i could think the little sail was all but whiffed away and the kayak upset i only saved it by the happy chance of being near a floe with an ice foot which projecting under the water gave me foothold and i lay on the floe in a mooning state the whole night under the storm for i was half drowned and at once on recovering myself i abandoned all thought of whalers and of europe for that year happily my instruments etc had been saved by the kayak deck when she capsized End of section 5